Welcome to the Advancing Women Podcast, where ambitious women come together to challenge the status quo, advance their careers, and up-level their lives. The Advancing Women Podcast is hosted by gender equity expert and executive coach, Dr. Kimberly D. Simone. Welcome, warriors, to the Advancing Women Podcast. I hope this episode finds you well. I'm actually not feeling very well myself this morning, so my voice might be a bit scratchy, and I might go a bit short today, but I didn't want to leave those of you who are so loyal and listen every Tuesday, so I'll do my best here. For those of you listening in the United States, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving holiday. For me, and I'm sure many of you feel the same way, Once Thanksgiving is over, it feels like the weeks fly by. And for women, we are looking at our usual balancing act of work and family responsibilities. But now it feels like the 2.0 version with all the shopping and preparation for the holidays that tends to fall on our shoulders this time of year. As we approach this time, I want to encourage us all to think a bit more about the choices we make with our dollars over these upcoming weeks. We talk about the inequities women face in every episode of the Advancing Women podcast. An important part of that conversation is those economic consequences women face because of the inequities, including the wage gap. But we also talk about gendered power differentials that exist unfairly in most public and professional domains. Yet there is one area where women indisputably hold a great deal of power, and that is consumer power, a power majority, in fact. Women drive most purchases. Indeed, estimates range between 70 to 80% of all consumer purchasing worldwide. When we consider the combination of both women's purchases and their influence over purchases, it's really a powerful position. According to Catalyst 2020 Consumer Buying Power Research, women control over $31 trillion in worldwide spending. So let me run some relevant statistics by you about U.S. spending specifically. Women make up more than half of the U.S. population, but control or influence 85% of consumer spending. And the purchasing power of women in the U.S. ranges from somewhere between $10 trillion to $15 trillion annually, according to Nielsen Consumer Research. So despite wealth-gender ratio data, which shows a substantial wealth gap between men and women's consumer spending, women control a disproportionate amount of that wealth. According to Federal Reserve and Gallup data, women control more than 60% of all personal wealth in the U.S. through their purchasing power. And women either initiate the purchase or are involved in the purchase of over 60% of what have historically been considered, quote unquote, traditionally male products, things like automobiles, home improvement products, and consumer electronics. And because of Not despite, but because of the many gendered societal expectations for women, we have staggering consumer power when it comes to very large purchases, influencing more than 90% of all home purchases and more than 65% of car purchases. And when it comes to the day-to-day purchases like food or pharmaceuticals, healthcare needs, women represent around 93% of those purchases. And this data begs a couple important questions. First, why then? Don't more businesses, large and small, think of women first when creating new products and services? Research shows that men's comfort and needs are seen as the default and that women often feel misunderstood 
misrepresented and even disrespected in the buying process in some cases. For example, although women account for the majority of car purchases, almost 80% of women say they still take a man with them to purchase a car to ensure that they aren't taken advantage of. And second, and perhaps even more importantly, as it relates to gender equity in the workplace, how dare these companies that benefit so greatly from the decisions women make to purchase their products not create more equity for women within the organization's leadership? And finally, and this is really part two of the last question, why aren't organizations acknowledging how valuable the voice and perspective of women in organizations is when we are marketing to women given these data points and how much of the purchasing is driven by women. Plentiful equity research has shown that more diverse companies and companies with more gender equitable leadership teams realize higher financial returns. This shouldn't be a surprise, yet it is a logic that most organizations don't seem to want to see, hear, or acknowledge. It seems like common sense that if women are doing most of the buying and have a high level of influence over purchases, ensuring women have more voice in what those products are like should create more positive outcomes. And yet many global organizations are still failing to prioritize achieving gender equity, even though gender diversity drives better performance and is also seen as a reflection of forward-thinking companies. Despite a lot of public relations and media buzz, advancing women in the workforce is not a priority for firms worldwide, and the gender gap in leadership will persist without corporate action. Far too few companies are taking ownership of gender equality issues, and too many are implementing public relations solutions that just don't move the needle versus real and necessary business solutions that advance women. According to a recent study from IBM, which pulled 2,300 executives and business professionals across all industries about their initiatives to close gender leadership, around 80% of respondents said they have not prioritized achieving gender equity among leadership within their organizations, despite research proving that gender equality and diversity leads to higher profits. So there's this very real disconnect between the known benefits of more gender equitable leadership and the real movement of women into those top roles of power, pay, and prestige. The broken pipeline remains resilient with organizations failing to create the very change that the research suggests is necessary and beneficial to their bottom line. As a result of this, New equity research has emerged aimed at helping investors identify the most gender diverse companies because they tend to be larger, have better stock returns, and skew toward lower volatility. And this push to integrate gender diversity in investment criteria has increased over the years. At least 15 new publicly traded gender equity funds have been launched since 2015. In 2017, Morgan Stanley encouraged analysts to include gender scores in their investments. In 2018, the State Street Global Advisors announced that it would vote against all male boards in the U.S., U.K., and Australia as of 2020. In 2018, BlackRock announced that it expected the companies it invested in to have at least two women on the board and urged companies with fewer than that to act on their lack of diversity. And that had a quick and direct effect demanding this. As a result, the number of companies with fewer than two women on the board dropped by almost 15% within five months of them citing this expectation. And in November 2019, a subsidiary of Group Premium launched its global fund, which invests only in publicly listed companies whose CEOs are women. 
And we need to build on this momentum to invest in companies that invest in women. So what does this mean for us in our everyday lives beyond just our investments? Well, with the holiday buying season, it gives us the opportunity on a smaller but no less important scale to build on this momentum. Together we rise. And so this is about supporting companies that invest in women and in women-led and women-owned businesses. This is the ultimate in women supporting women and the persisterhood. We must be mindful of the power of our purchasing decisions. We've been fighting for far too long for equity and equality that is our birthright, that we shouldn't have to fight for. But nonetheless, this inequity remains. Increasingly, though, we are seeing business arguments for why this must change. And sometimes it's those business arguments that move the needle. And despite this knowledge and this business argument, the issue remains, and that requires a conversation about power. We know that power doesn't give up power. It must be taken. As George Orwell said more than 70 years ago in his dystopian novel, 1984, quote, we know that no one ever seizes power with the intention of relinquishing it. Power is not a means, it is an end, end quote. More recently, Roseanne Barr kind of paraphrased this and famously said, nobody gives you power, you just take it. She was definitely speaking about women. In fact, the quote in its entirety is, quote, the thing women have yet to learn is nobody gives you power, you just take it, end quote. And so when women continue to lag far behind men in leadership positions of power, pay, and prestige, we have to do everything we can to challenge that power structure. The one place we have the power is as consumers. And we have seen great examples of how consumers have driven change with their dollars. We have seen this in a push for corporate social responsibility. And we need to build on this idea of corporate social responsibility and challenging companies in a very intentional way. The holiday season is therefore a great time to be mindful of this and consider intentional consumer decisions as women, that we demand the issue of gender equity be prioritized and are willing to push that agenda with our actions and with our dollars. This is about what we buy, but also how we amplify that choice publicly through grassroots recommendations of companies that are woman-friendly, woman-owned, and that promote women through social media, and even writing letters to companies saying, you know what, this is why I didn't choose you and instead chose this product from a company with more women executives and more women on the board of directors. You get the idea. Now, you may be thinking that one letter might not do much, but lots of letters and comments on social media can draw attention to the problem. We must push a bit harder to remind companies and society of the importance of being good corporate citizens. And that means doing right by women. Because based on consumer purchase data, it's about doing right by the people who make decisions that result in their company's success. There is an inequity that exists that we can capitalize on as women in ways that serve us. So research shows that women every day spend more time than men making economic decisions for their families. That this is inequitable and often unpaid and unappreciated labor also means that women hold crucial purchasing power. Women may hold far less wealth than men in the country, but we control an enormous portion of that wealth through our purchasing power. And this episode is about small and big ways we can wield that power in ways that serve us. 
that we, through our purchasing power, begin to first demand that companies create products with women in mind. And this is important because when more women are in the room giving voice to meeting the needs of women, we begin to create products that the market demands, that serves all in the market. But also that companies are incentivized to do right by women, which ironically is better for business anyway. Win-win. So here's what each of us can do on a very specific, timely, and pragmatic level. Buy women-owned brands and make choices to buy from companies that support women and working mothers. This may seem challenging, but I'm here to tell you it has never been easier. From shopping local to being able to shop small women-owned businesses online to easy access of information on women and family-friendly organizations, we can more easily than ever identify opportunities to flex our consumer power to support brands and companies that support the success of women. For my birthday this month, I received a book from Target's Spotlight Women's Empowerment Collection titled In the Company of Women, Inspiration and Advice from Over 100 Makers, Artists, and Entrepreneurs by Grace Bonney. And I thought, what a great way to support women. We can support women by buying books about empowering women, but books that are written by women as well. And buying books is a great way to support women. The data show that more than 80% of the most popular novels are written by men, and male leads in fiction sell 10 million more books on average than female leads, and we need to interrupt that. Buy more books written by women and books with women as the lead characters. They make great gifts, and they make an intentional choice to change the status quo. And I'll include resources in the show notes listing hundreds of women-owned brands, as well as small businesses and companies that have landed on some of the most telling lists, like Working Mother Magazine's Top 100 Companies for Working Mothers, whose list of winners demonstrates efforts to mitigate the barriers that often keep women from advancing. Companies making progress and improving in areas like paid parental leave, on-ramping women back to work after maternity leave, family-friendly benefits and opportunities for women to advance. So when you buy from these companies and talk about it through your social media channels or through your recommendations or write letters to the organization saying this is why you made that purchase, you are using your dollars, your considerable consumer power to have an impact and make companies think a little bit harder about their efforts and the prioritization of women. When you buy Legos for your kids, for example, you can feel great knowing it is one of the only toy companies that consistently makes Working Mother Magazine's list of top 100 companies to work for. So if you're in between two products, why not look to these lists, look to the insights you can find through simple Google searches that will help you even in small ways, push for gender equity. Lots of small decisions when made by lots of people and made consistently can add up if we are intentional and purposeful in our efforts. So we can support women-owned businesses, but also businesses that are doing right by women in terms of closing the leadership gap and creating environments more conducive to the success and advancement of women. There are so many choices for yourself and your family, for gifts, hundreds of choices from clothing to toys to fitness, all kinds of companies, women-owned, small businesses that you can find online. I can provide list after list, but you can also find them with a simple Google search. And it's worth giving that thoughtful gift but also a gift that supports the advancement of women. That is what I call warrior gift giving. And I encourage us all to engage in warrior gift giving as often as possible and immediately in this gift giving season. 
And if online isn't your thing, check out your local small business association or chamber of commerce to find out where the small women-owned businesses are or Google it, honestly. You'll be able to find it very easily that way. And if you're just running to Target for gifts, you can search for women owned at Target. We as women yield great power in our consumer power. And it is time, well past time, in fact, that we start to demand better. And so my manifest statement this week is this. Don't downplay the power of the dollars you spend and the choices you make as a consumer. Shop your conscience this holiday season and beyond. Don't fall into a trap in believing that you alone can't make a difference. As Vincent van Gogh famously said, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. For more resources, you can visit my website, www.advancingwomenpodcast.com and connect on Instagram at advancingwomenpodcast. I love getting your feedback, so please email me at Dr. D. Simone at advancingwomenpodcast.com. I just want to thank Joe Jacobs, the audio warrior who wrote the music for this podcast. And a huge thanks to Heather Harris, the creative warrior who designed the Advancing Women podcast logo. And thanks to all of you for joining me here today.